Welcome to episode number 134 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, our ninth episode in our Women in Civil Engineering series, I will be talking to Anya O'Dwyer, PE, who is the principal and CEO at Innovate Engineering about various civil engineering factors, including the challenges she faced when working in the construction industry and starting a new firm and how she achieved success despite all of these challenges at such a young age. Really an inspirational episode. I mean, Anya has achieved so much in her career and of course is now running and growing a firm and she's young and it's an amazing story. I think you'll be inspired from it. I also think you'll take some things from it that you can apply in your own career as a civil engineer regardless of your experience level. Now, I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but I decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and now travel the world helping engineers. And at the Engineering Management Institute, we've developed hundreds of free podcast episodes, which you can find on our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and also on iTunes and on YouTube. Before we get started with our first episode of 2020, this is a free show and our sponsors continue to help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. A big thank you to EMI's sponsor, Mazer Consulting, a privately owned multidiscipline engineering firm with 950 employees in 32 offices nationwide and growing fast. Mazer Consulting's engineers, planners, surveyors, landscape architects, and environmental scientists provide professional services to a diverse client base across the public and private sectors. Headquartered in New Jersey with projects coast-to-coast, Mazer's offices are strategically positioned to provide comprehensive services to meet their clients' needs. Mazer Consulting is committed to the success of their clients and employees. I want to thank Mazer Consulting for extending their sponsorship into 2020. They have been very supportive of our content, and I'll tell you a little bit more about Mazer Consulting later on in the episode. Just real quick now to kick off the new year 2020, I'm a big proponent of goal setting, but I've kind of scaled back a little bit in terms of you know the end of the year being a great time to go and set goals for the next year. I do think it's a good time to reflect, of course and do a little bit of a debrief on your previous year and what lies ahead. But in terms of goal setting, what I do now personally, what we do at EMI is we do quarterly goals. And so each quarter, we all do our own quarterly reports. We review last quarter, look at next quarter, check on what goals we achieved, what we didn't, and then reset goals for the next quarter. Because I think setting goals for a year is really overwhelming. And even if you do have yearly goals, there should be a quarterly check-in process where you go through them and check the status and the progress on those goals. So that's just a little something to kind of keep in mind when you think about setting goals and thinking about the upcoming year. Think quarterly. I think you'll be able to kind of wrap your head around it a lot easier than trying to predict the whole year at one shot. And if this year, one of your goals is to develop your management skills or your people skills, quick reminder, the next session of our Engineering Management Accelerator online people skills workshop is focused on helping young and aspiring engineering managers really learn how to work and engage with people. Sessions start in mid-February 2020. You can check out the details and get enrolled at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. 
Com. We just had a couple of people enroll and I've been getting emails and phone calls from people saying that the testimonials and case studies on the website at engineer2manager.com helped them to make the decision to go ahead with the course. So please check that out. We're also launching a sister program, the Project Management Accelerator course, so that we can also help engineering managers build project management skills in addition to the people skills. And more on that coming very soon. Now, let me just tell you a little bit more about my guest that you're about to hear from for this episode, Anya O'Dwyer. I really want to tell you a little bit about her because her resume is super impressive for her age. Anya has held a succession of progressive leadership roles, beginning as a field engineer and moving on to project manager, chief engineer, vice president, and CEO of the engineering arm of a large privately held construction firm. In December 2017, Anya took ownership of the company and leads Innovate Engineering as its CEO, drawing on over 14 years of multinational experience delivering top quality engineering and construction solutions to her clients. She is the recipient of both an ENR National 2018 Top 20 Under 40 Award and ENR New York 2018 Top Young Professionals, as well as a Building Design and Construction Class of 2018 40 Under 40 and NJBiz Best Women in Business 2019 Award. She's really done it all. Hailing from her native Ireland, Anya graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's degree in civil and environmental engineering from NJIT and a master's in civil engineering also from NJIT. While at NJIT, Anya played Division I basketball for four years and soccer for two years. She and her wife, Jenna, who works in the movie industry, currently reside in Jersey City, New Jersey, where they are actively involved in a number of local programs and initiatives. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now I'm excited to welcome today's guest onto the Civil Engineering Podcast, Anya O'Dwyer, Principal and CEO at Innovate Engineering. Anya, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. Anya, you've had a, a very interesting career journey. You've kind of climbed through the ranks to become CEO of a company. But well, let's go back to the beginning and start. You came here to the United States from Ireland uh, for college. So how did that happen? So I came for college. I actually came to play basketball in college. So that's the short answer. The longer answer is um, I was getting recruited by a few different schools to play basketball, but I was uh, very dead set on studying civil engineering. So that very much um, narrowed down the schools I was talking to. And, and ultimately, I came to college and uh, played uh, basketball at NJIT and studied civil engineering there. Okay, great. So it wasn't like you were looking for basketball and then decided for civil engineering. You were focused on civil engineering, and that's how you ultimately made your decision. So what made you interested in civil engineering? I went to a technical high school back in Ireland. Very kind of luckily, I suppose, in a way, it was I grew up in a pretty rural part of Ireland and um, the closest school to me, this closest high school happened to be a technical high school. So I went there and was just exposed to so much things that really kind of opened my eyes to engineering as a whole. So, you know, we studied construction there. We studied technical graphics, mechanical engineering. It was a very technically focused school in addition to the arts and such that exposed me from an early age I knew I actually thought I wanted to be an architect and uh, then once I started to understand that career a little bit more I realized that it wasn't so much designing things that I liked it was actually constructing and building them and, and seeing how they worked 
So yeah, it was just that early exposure. And then in addition to that, my sister, who's a couple of years older than me, she actually went into civil engineering also. I was lucky with that too, because I got to kind of see what she was doing. She tested the waters a little bit for me. So it was uh, just very lucky and kind of, I guess, the exposure that I had. After NJIT, talk about how you kind of broke into the field of civil engineering. I actually had internships every year that I was in college. So the first one I did, it was actually back in Ireland. I interned with a construction company that was building a new airport terminal back in Ireland and and really got exposure to kind of the buildings construction side of things. But kind of breaking in here in the US, I had an internship my junior year with a New Jersey-based contractor. And that really opened things up for me as far as recognizing kind of the path of civil engineering that I wanted to go down. The type of work very much focused on heavy civil side of things. So I interned with them. It was a great internship and I actually ended up getting a full time job out of that internship. And so things kind of really fell in, into place from there. It was, uh, other than my current company, which I own, um, it's the only other company I've worked full time for. So it was the right decision at the time and then also the right decision for long term for me. It was a company that really kind of got me on my path when it came to civil engineering. That's an important thing that I just want to highlight there because I know in the world of civil engineering, there's a lot of different disciplines, of course, and a lot of different avenues of projects you could work on. So it's nice to hear Anya talk about how she kind of pinned down which one was for her, which came through an internship, which I think happens to a lot of civil engineers, right? When you actually get to do something and you're involved and active on it, kind of get a real good feel for whether you like it. I mean, for me, I wanted to do structural engineering in school. I came out and started to do structural engineering. And then our company ended up having some different disciplines and I ended up getting to site engineering and I really liked it and I made the change. So it is really hard sometimes to just go through school and say, I really like this. I really like this class because it doesn't always necessarily translate to the same when you get onto those types of projects. In terms of staying in the US, was that something that you kind of just figured out along the way or was that your intention when you came for college? If I was talking to my mother, I would always say, you know, I never intended. <laughs> we won't let her listen. <laughs> you know, I always came with a kind of three to four year plan, right? Like even when I came here for college, I mean, it was, it was a big leap for me to come here and, you know, what if it didn't work out? And so I always kind of put backup plans in place. So I got accepted to a college in Ireland at the same time, but I deferred it for a year just in case things didn't work out here. But I think as soon as I got here, I knew that I wasn't going to be leaving anytime soon. It was one of the reasons when I was in college, why I was actively pursuing internships here, because I knew, you know, longer beyond college, I wanted to stay here. So I started to put those pieces in place pretty early. I didn't know I would be here a lot of years later. I mean, it always kind of like, I'll see how it goes. I'll plan things out. But I'm kind of gotten to the point now where this is a home for me. All right. So we're kind of talking through some bigger kind of career and life decisions here, obviously leaving Ireland to begin with, to come here, of course, for school, then making the decision to stay here and work here with this New Jersey construction firm. And then take us through the next stages. So you stayed at this company for a while and you kind of built your career up. Talk about that process, a little bit of that journey. I started working for this company and at the time they were mostly construction focused at the time that I started with them. So I worked on a number of heavy civil construction projects, 
mostly around the New York City area. Um, I worked on the Whitestone Bridge project. I worked on a couple of highway projects in New Jersey. There was some environmental projects thrown in there. But it gave me a lot of exposure to the construction and project management side of things, which I very much enjoyed. But I also kind of had this, I'm very technically minded. I'm the stereotypical engineer. If you put a problem in front of me, it's like, you know, a a fun night in for me is is kind of solving problems and things like that. As I was going through my career with this company, I started to really gravitate towards projects that were more technically focused, which led me to working on a lot of value engineering type projects for the company. If it was a project that had a very, it was a complex project, I tended to work on those complexity when it comes to construction, but also complexity when it comes to the engineering side of things. I gravitated towards that to the point that I I started to focus more and more on the engineering side of these projects. And that really set my career kind of off and in motion. I think it kind of set me apart from doing maybe what some of my peers were doing. You know, I was given specific projects to manage and oversee. And and ultimately, I worked my way up from kind of, you know, I had the standard track of being a field engineer, got promoted ultimately to a project manager overseeing some construction projects. But then I switched at that point in my career, I kind of pivoted to being an engineering manager, which ultimately led to this kind of niche that I had carved out within the company, started to hire some people to work with me, and eventually was running engineering globally for the company. It was an interesting path. It kind of, a lot of things fell into place. I gravitated towards what I liked and I was able to, you know, find a company that allowed me to uh, have opportunity where I could focus on what I wanted to focus on, but also, you know, advance my career and, and work my way up. So that's kind of how I became more technical focused for this construction company was managing engineering globally for them. So by the time, you know, I was with them for about 10 years. And by the end of that, uh, they were very much not just a construction company. I mean, they were doing development projects. They were doing design builds. They were doing P3 in multiple different uh, areas. So, you know, heavy civil construction, environmental, power, renewables. I mean, it was kind of the full spectrum. So I was awarded a lot of exposure, I think, while I was there. And as they were growing, the need for this position that I ended up, ultimately ended up filling came into place. And so I, I kind of, I was able to gravitate towards that. And in addition to that, I had some amazing mentors and managers along the way that, that really contributed to a lot of my success. Working with this first job, this construction company that evolved into more than just a construction company while you were there. Just for our listeners' frame of reference, what roughly, I guess you were like in your 20s at that point? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like beginning at this company, it really helped you to identify a passion for the construction side of things. And then as you progressed, you really saw that you liked the engineering side of these types of projects, right? The technical, the details around it. And you were able to really move up there into this now global engineering manager. For someone at that young age, I mean, that's kind of a big progression. And you said you had mentors to help you along the way, which was great. But in addition to your mentors and kind of your schooling training, what was it that helped you to be able to get into management at such a young age? I mean, was there any other skill sets you picked up? Or I think I never 
stopped trying to learn in that regard. I came out of school with an engineering degree, but I knew nothing about management. It started out with, you know, those first few years of my career and kind of being in a very, forcing myself to be in a very humble position and realizing that, you know, I'm here. There's so much about this that I don't know. I'm one tiny facet of this project, but there's such a wider scheme. And I think the more you go through your career, the more you kind of see the different layers of how things work. You know, you go out and, and it starts with your out and you see something on paper and you think that's the most important thing. But then if you start taking steps back, it's like, well, no, it has to be constructed correctly. And then it's like, well, no, I mean, what about the permitting and things like that that get involved if you don't have that, these projects can't start. And then one step back more, it's like, well, where's the financing coming from? So there's so many different avenues that you kind of you start to peel back the layers. So one of the things that really helped me with that, uh, when I worked for this New Jersey firm, um, they actually had a program, they had a leadership development program, which I applied to and I was accepted to, I think it was about two years out of college at that point. And what that did was it gave me exposure to all aspects of the company. So while I was still on my standard career path, I was working as an engineer. It was a four-year program where I was given exposure to all aspects of the company. And I would spend time kind of doing rotations, everything from, you know, of course, the things I'm interested in, engineering and construction. But like I sat and saw how HR works and I saw how the legal department works and how the accounting works and payroll and all these things that just kind of happen in the background. And you don't really... As long as kind of things spit out the other end, you're not really concerned about how they happen. And so that really opened things up for me. And I think I started to look at things a little bit differently after that. Even simple things like we've all done it. We've been in our companies where you have to you have to call up accounts payable or something because you need something. Well, I approached it completely different after that because I understood how they operate and some of the limitations that they have and how maybe I need to frame some of these questions. So that program really helped me kind of set things off. I also, in that 10-year period that I was there, I took some executive education programs, kind of like executive MBA classes, because again, I saw myself kind of gravitating more towards the management side of things, saw it as, as a way that I, you know, need to, things I need to focus on to advance my career more and how do I look at this with more than just engineering eyes? Because my natural tendency is to always just look at things with engineering eyes, but you can't always do that. We'll never make progress. We'll just have the most brilliant thing in front of us otherwise. That was a really valuable program, especially for a younger engineer to be able to see all different facets of a company and the interior workings of the company from department to department, which I'm sure continues to pay off you know, today for you. Let's talk about the next step now, which is a big step of starting your own company. Again, another big decision for you. I'm sure one of your biggest career decisions. Take us through that thought process and how that came about. I mentioned that I had started, you know, I was overseeing engineering and it it kind of became this department that wasn't there before. And then I was put in this position and then I started to hire people and I started to build a team around me. And then at first, I was just working kind of as an internal service line to some of the projects that the company had, but then made the decision of, 
why does this just need to be an internal service line? This should be something external too. And at that point, I think a light bulb went off for me as to like, wait a second, I've built a team, built a service. It's a pretty good service line. And, and it's, I think it's something that the market really wants and needs. So it was at that point where I realized like, okay, this is it. This is the time I want to go out on my own. I had built the team around me. I brought the team with me that I had built around me and just kind of made that leap. It, it felt like the right time. I felt very comfortable in the role at that point because I had built the company, kind of essentially built the unit, but I had built it to that point, kind of understood what it took. And I realized that I needed to go out on my own to really grow things further. You know, otherwise you're just constantly under the umbrella of, of one company and it's hard to kind of get more market share, especially when some of my clients now are, are competitors of my old companies. I mean, I never would have been able to do that if, if I had stayed with them. How old were you roughly at that time? I was 32. And so you started the company, I'm assuming you started small with yourself and just grew it from there? Yes. I brought a couple of people with me. There was a few of us that kind of left together, but we had some work that I had already lined up and we were able to kind of grow things really from there. And so now we're up to a point, uh, by the end of the year, we'll be up to 20 people. It's been a couple of years now. We hit our two-year mark. So it's been a good progression. You've been running your own company. I know that that takes a tremendous amount of work, of course. Maybe talk about that a little bit. I mean, I would imagine for someone who's young and you already have a lot of accolades at this age, you're a pretty hard worker. I mean, I think you're, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. So what is it that kind of drives you on a daily basis? I mean, when you own your own company, it's different, of course, in terms of, you know, you don't just show up to work and, and get a paycheck, you create the paycheck. So talk about your kind of motivation. One of the things I've really, I had to learn the hard way, and it sounds very obvious, but it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's, it's not a paycheck. It's that, you know, you get your check, you leave the office at the end of the day and you're done and you come back in the next day, but those days are gone. I've over the last couple of years really had to learn how to manage that, right? Like you have to shut off. Otherwise you will just constantly be on and you'll constantly be working. So I've had to come up with a few different techniques just to find ways to shut off, to kind of separate myself at times. Because there's always something, you know, there's always something that needs to be done. There's always project that we're bidding or a project that we're working on. You know, it never ends. Administrative items, it just never ends. What motivates me more than anything is the company being successful, of course, is, is very motivating. And when we win projects, that's really great. But I, what I enjoy the most is the people that I'm working with and seeing them have successes. So one of the things I try and do is I try and empower kind of the people that I'm around and, and give them kind of more responsibility and empowerment. And so when we do have these successes, whether that success means we've won a project, or whether a project is successful from a schedule or budget point of view, whatever that might be, kind of having them take ownership over that success. And that I think drives me more than anything is kind of surrounding myself with people that really get motivated by that because I see them motivated and then I'm motivated. Sometimes it's just little things. But if I look at me, I mean, you know, there's so many aspects to the company and, and you can never really just get excited about one thing. There has, has to be a lot of little things that you get excited about. If you, you know, if I keep chasing the big, you know, everyone's waiting for the kind of the big jackpot to hit and 
the mega project and the things that changes everything and, and it doesn't usually exist. So I find what motivates me is these smaller things and, and it's not always project related, you know, sometimes, uh, something, some personal things that happen here, um, at work with some of the employees and some of the successes they have, like, you know, people passing the PE exam or passing the EIT exam and, and realizing that that's going to take them to the next step in their career. And it's such a big hurdle to come over, to get over for all of us in civil engineering. And so things like that are, are really what motivate me. Just going back to what you said in terms of like having to shut off at some point in time or else, you know, I think you'll just kind of burn out and get overloaded. And especially in the construction side of things, it's even more intense because big budgets, projects, you know, if something can't be delayed or it's just money and kinds of stuff like that. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, this is one of our episodes in our Women in Civil Engineering series, of course. And, you know, being a young woman in the field of civil engineering and in the field of construction, which is, smaller niche field. My wife is a civil engineer and she worked a little bit in construction as well. It's really uh, many more men in this field, of course. So just talk through that a little bit in terms of how that maybe that's impacted your career or in whatever way. I'm just interested in your take on that. My entire career, of course, I've always worked, been surrounded with men. It is a male-dominated industry. You know, certainly when I started out, it was and it still is now, although to a lesser degree. I think maybe I answer this question a little bit differently than some people because I don't always notice it, which is a strange thing to say. And I think a lot of that has to do with how I was brought up. I told you, I mentioned before that I played basketball in college. And so as a kid, I played a lot of sports and I lived in a pretty rural area. And so if I wanted to play sports and play them competitively, I generally had to play with guys. So as a kid, I was constantly surrounded by guys, whether it was playing sports, being in a technical high school, a lot of the subjects that I gravitated towards, even towards at that point, were very male-dominated. And then I went to a college that was very male-dominated. So it's never, it's just always been a part of kind of how I have operated in life. I've had that kind of background And then I came and worked for a company that was quite progressive, um, very forward thinking, you know, as far as, I mean, my own career trajectory is is a good example of that as kind of the opportunities that I was given as as a woman in a male-dominated industry. So I got very lucky being able to advance my career, probably luckier than some other women who maybe didn't have such good stories. At the end of the day, for me, it's surrounding myself with people that are good at what they do. I've had a lot of mentors, both male and female mentors, and I think everyone offers something a little bit differently. But it is good to see that, you know, now there's certainly a lot more women in the industry than there were. I mean, when I started out, there certainly weren't that many women in leadership positions when I started out, especially in construction. And now you're you're starting to see that a lot more. From my experience and some of my conversations with some of the other women that we've been interviewing, it does seem like a big component of being able to thrive in an industry where there's more males than females is for a female is their confidence. And it seems like you're very confident in what you do. I mean, you've been successful. You Is that just something that built up for you over time with your experiences? And Yeah. I mean, I think I'm the kind of person that's confident when I actually feel confident about something, right? It's I'm not the kind of person who can walk in a room and and talk about something I really don't know or understand. So I think a lot of that 
confidence has really built from throwing myself into these projects. All right, I get on this project. I don't know a person. You know, there's all these people and, you know, you go in a conference room on, on some of these job sites and you, like, you can't hear a thing because everyone's shouting over everyone. And so how I overcame some of that is like, okay, I have been assigned the containment wall on this project. Let me dive into it. Let me understand it. And so I built my confidence. What worked for me was to really build my confidence based on my knowledge and understanding of the work and what I'm doing so that when I do speak about it, I'm prepared. I feel confident in what I'm going to say. If I'm challenged, I can respond in a way that, that I need to respond. So a lot of that is really just from preparation, maybe sometimes over preparation. But that for me is, is probably more important than anything, you know, in, in whatever I'm working on, if whatever I'm throwing myself into, if, if I don't feel prepared, I, I won't feel confident. That's great. I was going to ask you, you know, what advice you have for women in the field. But to me, that seems like one great piece of advice, which is you do, I think the confidence helps you a lot. And by preparing and learning about your field and the technical concepts or a company or a client that you're working with, building that knowledge can help to build your confidence, which can play a really big role in terms of your success or you know overcoming anything that someone might throw at you because you're a female or whatever the case may be. Any other message that you would have for maybe younger female engineers starting out that you know kind of look up to you and say, wow, I'd love to be at that point in my career in 10, 15 years. What are some things I should do or be aware of? I think it's always great to ask for feedback. Sometimes I think as, as women, we're not always as forthcoming about that and ask for honest feedback. You know, how am I doing? What can I be doing better? Particularly if you see people around you that are maybe moving up the ranks and you're not. But then I'll, I'll add to that that as a follow up, you know, you have to be willing to take the feedback constructively and how we take it and what we do with it. And there's an element of trust there, right? You have to trust that the person giving it to you is giving it to you and it is intended to be constructive. That's something that I always have asked for. If I'm ever uncertain about something, I I don't like to kind of hold things in. I'd rather just come right out and say something. And, you know, that goes for something with me personally, if it personally impacts me. But, you know, it's also how I kind of operate as a manager myself. I don't like to let things drag on. If there's an issue that needs to be resolved, whether it's with a client, with a subcontractor, with an employee, I like to just get in and deal with it right away. Talk through it, resolve the issue, move on. And so that's just kind of my general approach. And so as as a young female, you know, I would certainly urge people to kind of, if you are concerned about something or you think about something, you know, find someone that you can go to, to ask for that feedback and if it can't be your manager for whatever reason, you know, there are other people, other peers, things like that. Another problem that people make earlier in their career is that they're assuming that their manager is thinking about them and what the next step is in their career. And the reality is they would like to be. I'm sure if they were locked in a room and asked them what are the most important things you should be thinking about, that's probably one of them. But in the day-to-day of our jobs, we're so busy. There's a million things going on. There's clients calling. There's issues happening in the field. I mean, we're running around. So you have to take some ownership over your own career. And you can't assume that your manager or your boss or your peers or whomever it is, that they're going to be the ones that push your career. I mean, you have to take a lot of control in doing that yourself and pushing things along. 
So last thing I want to ask you about before we jump into our hot seat segment to wrap up is you've found some different things that you're passionate about in your career. I think finding in the world we live in, finding different niches and different opportunities can kind of make or break your career. Maybe you could just talk about that, you know, in terms of like being aware of opportunities or finding opportunities in your career, because it seems like you've continuously done that. I did, but I think, you know, one of the best questions I was ever asked was right when I was towards the end of that leadership development program that I mentioned. And when I was in the program, I had a mentor and I'd meet with him about once a month and we'd talk about career and this and that. And it was towards the end of the program. I think I was the fourth person to graduate out of this program and and they had all kind of gone down the project management path. And so, you know, instead of it taking eight years to become a project manager, maybe you're doing it in five now. That was kind of the path that everyone had gone down. And so I was at the, towards the end of this program and and he asked me, he was like, what's going to make you different than everyone else that's come before you? I hadn't thought about that. You know, it was like up until that point, I was like, I have fast track to management, you know, fast track to management. How do I get there? At that point, I kind of, for the first time, really took a step back to think about like, is there another path for me? Are there other things that I'm interested in? You know, what am I good at that could maybe set me apart from some of my peers? And that's really what led me down to being more technically focused. The advice I would give is to kind of like think about it. But then whatever plan you come up with, is it feasible where you're working? Is there an opportunity within the company that you're currently with for you to go down that path? And if it is, then great, then pursue it. So that was kind of, you know, I thought about it. What do I want to do and what can I do in this company and and bringing both of those things together? Because I knew I wasn't, you know, I loved the company, loved work and there are great opportunities. And so it was really kind of looking at, at both of those things in tandem. Yeah, thinking about what's going to make you stand out or differentiate you from others. I think that is a a great way to kind of do some just career planning, right? Think about where you want to go, what skills do you need to build on, things of that nature. All right, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come right back with Anya and wrap this up. And we're going to put Anya on the civil engineering hot seat. So come back for that in a minute. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our civil engineering hot seat segment with Anya, our first of 2020. But before we dive into it, I would like to once again recognize our sponsor for this episode, Mazer Consulting. Mazer maintains a culture that is nurtured through the promotion of integrity, collaboration, and socialization. Their employees enjoy comfortable work environments, continuous career advancement, and the ability to impact society not only through the projects they work on, but the company-sponsored activities available to them. Mazer Consulting is on the cutting edge of technology and their opportunistic approach to expansion creates personal and professional growth opportunities across all areas of the firm. Leadership's dedication to the well-being of their employees and their families is demonstrated throughout the wide range of benefits and programs available to them. For current openings at Mazer Consulting, visit mazerconsulting.com and see career opportunities under the Culture and Careers section. All right, we're back with Anya O'Dwyer, civil engineer and CEO of Innovate Engineering. And Anya, are you ready for the civil engineering hot seat? I am. All right, so first question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? 
Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I do each morning is I meditate. I meditate. It kind of helps me start my day. I shut off. I actually don't take my phone off airplane mode until I walk out the door. Just allows me to kind of start my day off in, in a way that I control. And then from there, it, it sets, sets things in motion. So that's probably the most consistent thing that I do daily. When you say meditate, you have a specific time period that you do that? Yeah, in the morning. It's usually around 5.45. And is it something you've been doing for a while now or is it? I've been doing it consistently for a little over a year, but inconsistently before that for probably about three or four years. I have to give credit to my wife. She got me into this. She's very spiritual. I'm laughing a bit because I've tried that as well. And on and off, I do try it. It's not an easy thing to do for someone who is, you know, entrepreneurial, fast moving. Yeah, it's really not. It's actually really difficult. I use an app. So it's a guided meditation. Um, and the one that I've found to be most helpful for me is the waking up app. It's good. It's guided. The guy who set it up comes from a very scientific background and he's explored kind of all the different types of spirituality and he likes to poke holes in them. But I like how he approaches this particular app and it's good and it's helped me. And, and whether or not I shut off the entire time that I'm doing it, it's, it's more about the ritual of doing it and, and how I start my day. All right. So next question, what is one book that you might recommend to engineers or just one book that you found to be helpful for you in your professional or personal development? Yeah. So one that I think has probably made the most impact on me is a book called Quiet by Susan Cain. It's a book about introverts and basically it kind of blows everything up as far as, uh, she really explores what it means to be an introvert. And I think historically, you know, introvert, extrovert, you know, the extroverts are the people that are successful and they're the ones that get to the loudest in the room. But she pokes so many holes at that. And, and as an introvert myself, it really helped me kind of understand how I operate and some of the things that impact me and both personally and professionally. And it just, it was really, really eye opening. And I think it's, um, it's a book for all engineers, but it's a book for introverts, for extroverts. I mean, there's so many aspects of this that really just kind of blew the door open for me. So a really good book that I would highly recommend. I always love it when I hear a new book because, you know, we get a lot of people that might say the same book because there's some popular books out there, but it's good to hear something different. And it certainly seems one that would be very relevant for engineers because a lot of us are introverts. And I know there are some misnomers out there about, you know, what you can and can't do as an introvert. Absolutely. Next question, you know, you've had, I'm sure, some managers in your career. And if you think back on your managers, you know, maybe one of your favorite managers, and you don't certainly don't have to name names, but just thinking about the best managers you've had, why were they your favorite managers? What were some of the characteristics that they exhibited or things that they did that really helped you in your career? I think the biggest one was that I they empowered me. They gave me responsibility. Whether I was younger in my career, kind of working for some of the one of the first project managers that I worked for, I was given kind of trust and responsibility to an aspect of a project or or later in my career, kind of, you know, responsibility to oversee a division. So for me, that more than anything, just having being empowered and given that responsibility kind of 
helped me to to excel so much more um, rather than having a manager who kind of assigns tasks and I do the tasks and I come back and get another task. I mean, that doesn't work for me. I need more freedom and flexibility in, in how I operate. So that's probably the, the biggest one for me is just being given responsibility, I think, helped me thrive. Yeah, I think that is important because I think when you give people responsibility or challenge them, you're basically sending them a message that, you know, you believe in their abilities to be able to handle these things, right? I've got one final question here for you. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give career advice in that short period of time, what would you say to them? So I would tell them to learn and ask questions as much as they can. Continue to ask questions even when you think you may have all the answers. There's likely a lot more because there's the questions that you don't know to ask. Surround yourself with people that are better than you. And what can you learn from those people? And that goes from in your professional career, right? Try and get exposure to some managers, senior managers, executives, the more you can get, the more you can kind of, you know, be a sponge, soak everything in. But also in your personal life, right? Like, who are the people? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they making you a better person? So that's just across the board advice that I would give them. Be open to things that are put in front of you. A lot of times, you know, I was asked to work on a project that required me to travel, for example, and it wasn't something that I initially would have thought I wanted to do, but then that opened up so many more doors for me as far as people that I worked with and, and different paths. And so be open to opportunities. They may not be the ones that you would have necessarily chosen in advance, but you have no idea what they can give you in the long run. And just, you know, challenge yourself and challenge everyone around you. I mean, your career is in your hands. You'll surround yourself with people that can help you, but at the end of the day, you're really the only person that can drive things forward. Great advice all the way across the board there. So Anya, thanks again so much for spending some time with us. We know how busy you are. Again, Anya O'Dwyer, she is a civil engineer and the CEO of Innovate Engineering, and she's done amazing things to this point in her career, and she's got a long way to go. So we thank you for sharing this, and we really wish you the best in the rest of your career endeavors. Thank you very much. It was really great. And I wish you the best with the Civil Engineering Podcast. It's a really, really great podcast. So thank you for doing it. Thank you, Anya. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed our first episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast for 2020. We have some exciting content planned for you in this calendar year. Anya was great talking to young leaders like her in the field really do inspire me and hopefully you as well. I mean, she's done so much and she has so much energy. And I think that people like her really can help to motivate others in the field and really you know, improve our industry overall. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 134. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And remember to check out our upcoming session of the Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. This is people skills training for young and aspiring engineering managers. Next one starts in mid-February 2020. You can get all the details and get enrolled at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. We're also launching a sister program, the Project Management Accelerator course. 
so that we can help engineering managers build both people and project management skills. More on that very soon. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.